0: And our chapter reading today is Genesis 45. What an incredible story. I just say it over and over again because as I read this and study it and reread it again, how my heart leaps with joy, the excitement, the drama, the emotion, All that God has done to bring Joseph to this point. He has suffered. He has been rejected. His heart has been broken. And he has seen his brothers in agony. And what a compassionate man that he feels for them. He yearns for them. He longs for them to love him and to be accepted by him. Have you ever been rejected? Has someone that you really have poured your life into and loved, have they turned their back on you? God has great news for you today. He loves you. He sees what you are going through and what you've gone through, and God has a plan. Just keep listening to this podcast today. Listen to it all the way through because God has a wonderful message for you. In Genesis 45, Joseph can no longer constrain himself. And the scripture says that he just couldn't do it in verse 1. And he made every one of the Egyptians leave so that it was just he and his brothers. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? Now it's out, but his brothers could not answer him for they were dismayed at his presence. That means that they were confused, confounded, and they were troubled because could it be that this is Joseph? If it's so, what great news, but if it's so, oh my, what's he going to do to us? And what is all of this about? You can not imagine what went through their hearts. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. He wanted to touch them. He wanted to sense them. He wanted them to touch him and hug him and love him. So they came near and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because of me being here. And then he said once of what he's going to say twice in just a matter of seconds. For God sent me here before you to preserve life. For these two years the famine has been in the land. There are still five years which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And he said it again then. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph wanted his brothers to know that he's not angry with them. They don't need to be angry with themselves, but yes, they did sell him into Egypt. And he said that right out of the gate. He said, I am Joseph, the one you sold, the very one that you sold into Egypt. What you meant for harm, God has taken and meant for good. And none of us knew it at that time, but God was sending me ahead for this moment so I could deliver you, so we could all have a fulfillment in our very lives of what God promised to our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. Is he alive? I want to see him. And so after that, he reassured them again. And so he said, so now it was not you who sent me here, but God, the third time in a matter of seconds, he wanted them to know God had sent him here. Now we're going to come back to that. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh. This is a young man talking, 30 years of age. Now he's saying, I'm like a father. I'm like a son. We're in a relationship that you wouldn't believe. And so he says, hurry, hurry, and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. Can you imagine what's going to happen to Jacob? And these sons on the way, you can imagine what they went through. They could not believe it for joy. Not for doubt. They just couldn't believe it for joy. Can you imagine in your wildest imagination something like this happening? And they couldn't believe for joy. It's like the resurrection. They couldn't believe for joy. It was just too good to be true. When the Pharaoh heard about it, he was thrilled. And he said, go get your father, go get your family and everyone and bring them here and they can have the best land. He gave them Goshen, which was the pasture delta. And it was the place where not only they could raise their flocks and herds, but could take care of Pharaoh's and find favor and have all the food and all the clothing and all the shelter that they would ever need. How God provided So in verse 14, it says, then he fell on his brother, Benjamin's neck and wept and Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. This is such a wonderful reunion. And I think of how they fell on one another's neck and put their arms around one another and kissed one another. You know, we don't do that anymore because of the perverted culture in which we're living. My brothers and I always used to kiss one another when we left. And my dad, I kissed my dad on the lips when I was 19 years old. Remember, plain as day, we would always kiss. You say, oh, I can't believe that. Well, you should, because you see, when you kiss one another on the cheek and you kiss one another on the forehead and you hug one another, that is a symbol of intimacy. It's not a symbol of perversion. God help us. Have we gone this far to where men can't even be affectionate with one another? anymore because we're so perverted in our own thinking. And God help us to get over this and to love one another and hug one another and not be ashamed to do that because we need the encouragement of other men and of other women. Women find that easier than we do. But again, there's so much perversity among us that we've lost something of the intimacy and the human touch that we so desperately need. God, Please help us to overcome this, especially within the household of faith and among the church of Jesus. Please help us. That's my prayer. So Joseph over and over again said, what you don't realize, but you will, that God sent me ahead. See, Joseph had already worked this out because he had a lot of time to think about it. After all, he had a lot of time in prison and he was thinking about this. And then when God raised him up and gave him the the children and all the things that happened all of a sudden now, Joseph could see the big picture and he wanted his brothers to see it very quickly so they would not be fighting with one another and accusing one another and shaming and guilting one another. It's just so within us to do that. We've got to assign blame. It's always got to be somebody's fault. And that's just a very sad thing that we've come to that to where we've always got to assign fault. Now, I don't know why when something happens, I look for solutions. I don't look for who's at fault. If we have to come back and deal with that, we do. But the main thing we need to do is care for people when it's in need and not say, well, how would we get into this mess? If that's your attitude, change it. And if that's your attitude as a woman uh, towards your husband, you've always got to find fault. stop it. Men, if this is your attitude and you've always got to find fault. so you can blame someone, stop it. Get to the solution. Let's just get to solving problems instead of assigning blame because when you're not solving problems and assigning blame, nothing gets done but frustration and division. And so Joseph is looking for a new beginning, and he wanted them to see the bigger picture. Oh, my, how we get caught up, how we get caught up. Joseph's brothers were just concerned about right then and and how this was going to affect them. Joseph had already lifted his eyes toward heaven, and he had seen the big picture that God had it all worked out. And this is one of the reasons why I want you to read through the Bible and read through key chapters, because the more we understand that God has it all figured out, the less we will worry and fret and live the lives that we do with our Myopic tendencies is to just be looking down all the time instead of looking toward heaven. Set your affection on things above, not on this earth. Set your affection where Christ dwells at the right hand of God. Because you see, it's just going to be a moment in time and we're going to be there. This chapter so reminds me of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 where God speaks through the Apostle Paul to say, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we stop there. But that's not the end of the paragraph. The paragraph starts in verse 28, but it doesn't end until verse 30. That's one whole thought. And what is he saying? We know that God works all things. All things don't work out. But God works all things for good. He just takes this and that, good, bad, ugly, and he arranges it. He is the great arranger, and he puts everything in order. And the scripture says he does this for all of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes I'll hear people say to just anybody, well, you know, everything happens for a purpose. Well, no, it doesn't. Unless it is for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose, on purpose. If you love God and you are part of his family, you are his child. God is working everything together on purpose, for purpose, for your good and his glory. And it's amazing. The next verse is never even read. And it's all one. Let me read it all together. And we know that all things work together for good. Let's put the subject where it needs to be. And we know that God works all things together for good to those who love God. That means we belong to Him, Jesus is precious to us, to those who are called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, that is, was in an intimate relationship with, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. I am many times asked about predestination. Let me just give you something that will help you with predestination. Predestination in the New Testament always is in relation to children of God never to the lost, always to the believer. Predestination has to do with the believer, always in the New Testament, no exceptions. And in this case, it's evident. The Bible says to those of us who love him, to those of us who are called according to his purpose, and that's anyone who's saved. The Bible says he foreknew us, in his love, he brought us to himself, and listen to this, he predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. And the word predestined is the word pro-horizo. Pro means before. Horizo is where we get our word horizon. That's right. What is the horizon? Horizon. I have spent many hours in a small plane, learning how to fly a small plane, just a little two-seater. Out in Texas, we flew by the seat of our pants. We would take off on a dirt runway, and we'd land on a dirt runway, and we had just basic gauges. And the way that we flew was we always flew where we could see the horizon. That's how we knew how we were level, is we would line the wings up with the horizon. Horizon on either side. Now, what is the horizon? That is that line out there, that boundary out in the distance where the sky and the earth meet. And it's on both sides of you. It's out in front of you. It's behind you. It's the line of boundaries. Now, we know that when you get there, that that's not anything but an optical illusion. But it is the horizon, and it's always been like that. And what the horizon means is a boundary. It is a marker. It's a line. God laid it out. But you see, that's the word here that God uses for predestined. God has already marked our boundaries. That means when we belong to him, we're not going to go over that line because God has marked it out. What does that mean? God has already marked out for us to one day be totally conformed to the image of Jesus. One day we are going to be like Jesus. Now, it's not going to be on this earth. We need to be more and more like him on this earth. But we're never going to be sinless on this earth. We should sin less, but we're not going to be sinless here, but one day we will. We'll have a brand new body. We'll have a total renewal, a total confirmation, a total conformation to the person of Jesus. This is why John said in 1 John chapter three, he says, behold, what manner of love, what otherworldly love the father has gifted us, bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, the born ones of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. I mean, how can they get a hold of it? Because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we the children of God. We've been born into the family of God. And it is not yet revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And by the way, everyone who has this hope, this assurance in him, that causes us to be purified, to live a pure and holy life just as he is pure. Right now, we look around and we say, Oh, God, I'm just a mess. Well, let me tell you, this mess is going to be addressed, and God is going to make us like Him one day. But it's not going to be in this life. The assurance is that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to be just like Jesus. God so loved the world that He gave His one-of-a-kind Son that whoever trusts in Him would never be lost, would never be ruined, would never be wasted, but have eternal life. That's how much God so loved the world. God so loved His son so much that he's going to have all eternity populated by his children that are going to be just like him. Joseph said, don't be upset. What you meant for evil, God has taken and he's made good out of it. He sent me ahead because he had a plan. God knows our destiny. He already has it marked out. Be encouraged, believer. God's accepted you. You're not rejected in the beloved. He loves you with an unflinching, everlasting, undying love. All of that's available to us as we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions.